Welcome to the Happy Hour Marketing Show with Nick, Nige and Dom. So welcome back to part two of this episode. Welcome back, guys. How are we doing? Really We're all good. good. Yeah. Good, good. We're uh, we're doing something a little different, aren't we? We're recording across two separate days, so it's probably going to sound a little bit different. It's a Friday versus a Wednesday. Do you reckon there's any difference in our tones? Well, we'll ask, we'll ask the people, see if they notice. Yeah, I'm, I might be a little bit more alert and a bit more awake this time, I reckon. <laughs> the Friday afternoon lull filled by <laughs> podcast recording. Wonderful. Um, so great first session there that we just discussed around, you know, the importance of testing your website. We talked a little bit about, you know, how people can start really looking at the content, not only just optimizing it, but obviously just starting out, how to get going. Um, and also about exploring the world of digital marketing in terms of adding new products in. So in this part, we're going to just extend those conversations. We're just going to chat a little bit about, you know, the importance of your existing customers. It's not all around attraction. We're going to look at uh, the importance of focusing on your target market in terms of that attraction piece. And then we'll move swiftly on to um, how businesses are really adapting as part of the pandemic in 2020 and how they've really converted to more of an online only journey. So I think it's a few interesting topics. So Nick, I think you're probably best placed to, you know, dive us into that first topic of, of the importance of existing customers. Yeah, it's um, yeah, absolutely, and it's um, and the, and the starting point I can give you on this one, I think, is that there's um, that, that probably encapsulates where 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 this comes from and how important it is. There's there's a there's a reasonably famous legend um in in the business world that says, and and the numbers change depending on who's doing the research at various times in history, that it's five or six times more expensive to to win a new customer than it is to to keep an existing one. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know, obviously, the mass behind that, of course, but I understand the logic behind it. The amount of effort that goes into trying to win new business is disproportionate to how much effort goes into just making sure your existing ones are happy. And, 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 and this is really important. And, and I'll tell you why it's important, because it comes on to something we might touch on a bit around reputation as well, is that if you can keep customers, not only you've, you've got a solid pipeline there for budgeting, but also... Um, you cr- you're hopefully creating loyal customers. If you've got loyal customers, not only you've, you can plan longer and longer in terms of your budgets, but also they're more likely to um, talk about you from a, in a positive way, word of mouth, all right? Which is, which is always, by the way, I think the best way to get new customers, word of mouth. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's the important thing. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the best and worst exponents of this, by the way, are the... Um, are the service providing industry and the and the um, and the uh, you know in, in industry insurance companies that sort of stuff who who are who will incentivize new business and new accounts with either either discounts or free products or whatever it is and better rates. But if you're an existing, let's say if you're an existing electricity um, customer for one of the big boards or something, um, they will keep ramping up your your your. Your premium each year. If you're an insur- a car insurance customer, they'll keep ramping up your premium car insurance. Home insurance, they'll do it, but they'll give the best rates to the new customers, which is why the price comparison sites always do so well because they're competing to get new business. And if, I don't know about you guys, but that's something that really winds me up. You think, well, hang on a second, I've yeah, stuck with you for five years, and you'll 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 keep charging me more money, which is why I go to go compare or compare to me account or whatever it will be. So. So that, I think that's the importance of it. Look after your existing customers. You will create loyalty. And loyalty has got to be gold dust, I think, for um, any any business, really. Yeah, and I think 
especially at the moment and you know going back a long time now as well but you know that was always the thing that got businesses through recessions and gets businesses through recessions is that returning custom that's the same when we're looking at the 2008 financial crisis you know the business that came out okay or stronger were those that already had a really good solid foundation and and had those customers coming back to them it was really difficult to kind of acquire new business in those times people are much more savvy they're willing to research more they might have less money and i think you know as we always say when we're talking about marketing in any sense you know just think about your own life and what you do and 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 it becomes obvious really you know think how quickly that most of us kind of order something from amazon with with one click because we're confident that it'll know it will know it'll be you know arrive quickly we know that if we need to send it back we can send it back easily and compare that to when you're buying something brand new from a new place that you haven't purchased from before and the amount of research you do into that company the reviews you look at and how much longer your kind of path to purchase is for a product from a company that you haven't purchased from before and i think that that just proves your point nick really is that if everyone's doing that it's so much harder to get that new customer than someone that's already keen on your products and services and know you're going to deliver them a good a good product or service and, and equally, I, I'm going back to those price comparison sites and that sort of stuff. I understand why those companies do that, of course, and they do it purely. It's a financial decision. There's maths behind it, and there's also market research behind it, and they know that if somebody's an existing customer, they are less likely to move. Um, so yeah. therefore, it's, it's actually worth trying that tactic. But but I, I, stand, I stand by it, and like your point there is, if you're, if you're loyal, you will speak, speak well about a, a company, and that is absolutely worth its weight in gold, that is. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. I love, I love it when we use examples and we're talking about things and we go, uh, the worst culprits for this are insurance companies. I can imagine us using <laughs> that one like quite often. But um, but I think, Nick, that's a really good example. Again, all all that effort goes in to attracting that customer. And actually, your your experience after your first purchase or your, you know, the first time they've they've served a service to you, you know, it's it it can be quite disappointing, but you know, another thing to kind of explore, in, in my opinion, would be potentially referral schemes. You know, the recommended friends that come in, that's, yeah. you know, albeit, yes, it's loyalty. It's It does sort of two things, doesn't it? It it gets your existing customers to share their experience with their friends, family, or other contacts. Um, and at the same time, it's it's growing your client base. So the more you can reward that, it's 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 another great way. But it's bomb. Yeah. I think um, I think insurance companies, uh, as one, they've got a lot of work to do to really try and retain customers. I do think that's a very obvious kind of issue that they've got. So again, um, bringing in schemes and things like that can definitely help. So I mean, Dom, you know, we're chatting here about the importance of existing customers, but obviously it's a marketing podcast. The majority of marketing is often around that attraction piece, and it's often around trying to develop new business. I mean. How important is it to focus on a target market, in your opinion? Yeah, hugely. And and I think more so now than, than ever before, or certainly in recent history, because I think there's such a big difference at the moment between how different kinds of people are feeling and thinking at this time depending on their personal situation be that you know financial or uh, health or or anything like that so you know i think to, to break it down obviously there's loads of different target markets out there you you might have a very specific one you might have a very broad target market depending on uh, age and demographic and that kind of thing but if we if we just look 
simply, and we, we've done a little bit of work here with with Kantar to look at two really specific age groups uh, that we're kind of cutting in half and trying to make it a bit simpler. So looking at the over 55s and the under 55s. And what we know about those over 55s in terms of their their uh, sort of family makeup at home is that they're either likely to be those what we call hotel parents. So they're likely to have children that are over 15 living in their household or those empty nesters. So that's people who are uh, have got children, but they have uh, left the kind of family home, as it were. Now, the under 54s are obviously likely to have younger families, um, and they're also likely to be those kind of couples uh, who are living together but might not be married, um, or as millions of people do now, they're living in house shares or flat shares. So that's something to consider straight away. What's their living conditions? You need know, to think about their key values at the moment. And that's a really big consideration when you're putting a campaign together. So, you know, that over 55 age group, you know, they're more likely to be a bit more positive at the moment and a bit more in charge of the way that they lead their lives on a day to day basis. They're more likely to be more established in their careers and uh, have a more kind of clear path uh, when it comes to seeing out the rest of the uh, pandemic. Um, whereas the age groups uh, that are lower than that, you know, they, they, they're probably going to be a little bit more apprehensive about taking bigger risks or making bigger purchases. So, again, you might need to just have different messaging when it comes to speaking to those different groups. Um, obviously, as well, their, their relationship with money as well at the moment is going to be really different. So over 55s are much more likely to be sort of comfortable. So when you're talking about your products or services, you, you might not be able to have to focus so much on price. Um, and you'll be able to kind of give yourself a bit more freedom to talk about the key benefits and uh, kind of the, of your products or service. Whereas the under 55s, you know, a little bit more tentative about spending. So, you know, you might have to focus a little bit more on value. And that doesn't mean you have to be the cheapest, but it does mean you're looking at a market there that will have to, uh, they'll be willing to kind of shop around a little bit more. Uh, try different companies, try new things to try and find the best value. So you have to make sure they know exactly what they're getting for their money. Um, and also the way that you contact them. You know, I think all of our media habits have changed a little bit in, uh, you know, over the last year or so with uh, the way that we might listen to more. We might, People might be reading more. They might be watching more TV or less TV. Now, for the over 55s, we know that they listen to a lot more than the under 55s. So think about using that as a channel. Um, but you know, they also got a little bit more time to read. So again, you know, thinking about more about traditional print media and that kind of thing, great, great way to start with those guys. And when you're targeting a younger audience, those under 55s, they use loads of devices and they use them in loads of different ways. So whatever that messaging is, make sure that as we've discussed before, you're, you're exploring all of those different types of, of digital marketing because just doing a Facebook campaign targeted on mobile isn't going to be enough. You need to capture them on multiple apps you need to capture them on multiple different devices to make sure that that reach in terms of the number of people you're reaching is enough, but also crucially that frequency is enough, that they're seeing it regularly enough to keep you front of mind. So lots of different ways really of, of targeting, but, but really focusing on that target market and thinking about who uh, they are and how they might be engaging with different media is, as you say, Nigel, just absolutely critical at the moment. It's a really good point because you know when we talk about target markets and stuff, don't we? We often think, right, okay, we're going to do the the demographics first, you know. So it's going to be, you know, age, gender, could be location. But actually, what we're talking about more and more is behaviors, and it's yes. you know what I think businesses really find difficult, don't they? Is is getting access to that information to understand those behaviors. So, you know, again, I always say this on the podcast. You know, we live this every day, but we're able to get insight and understand. What type of people are, you know, accessing information on certain types of platforms when they're 
um, when they're accessing it, how they're accessing it, how long they're spending on it, things like that. And I think that's a really good point, Dom, because, you know, we try to share as much of this insight as we possibly can. You know, we're a good resource for that. Um, there's a lot of Mintel stats in there and things like that of, of sources that we use in Kantar Insight as well. But um, I think it's important for businesses to, you know, go out, hunt for that information because those behaviors could fundamentally change a decision that you're about to make. Um, probably before you've even come up with your your demographic data, like you say, with, with target audiences. But the information, it's not easy to find, is it? it's really not and you know actually that that can be one of the benefits of obviously getting in touch with a company such as ourselves and and the problem we have is often you'll google this type of information and you'll read it quite in depth and then you might notice right at the end that actually that's from 2018 or it's just <laughs> 2017 and you know nick you discussed earlier on uh about um in the last episode i think it was about how those kind of evergreen bits of content really can draw people back to your website. And you'll notice that all the time. If, if one of the big players in the industry has got a really big piece of content, it will be there for years. And you might be reading an entire article and then realize it's from 2017. So keeping up to date with it is really challenging. And, you know, we'd encourage anyone who is struggling with that to, to get in touch, you know, and, and any of our account managers will take that target market that you are looking for. And they'll be able to work with us directly uh, using those systems and tools to work out how your specific target market might be engaging with media now compared to six months ago, or the differences between two different age groups that you've got, you know, lots of products and services out there are, uh, are kind of targeted at a massive wide age group, but it might mean that you have to target them really, really differently. And, and defining that can be really crucial. And um, we can help you with that. Yeah, and, and actually, I know, I know we're talking about different things here, but that, that your point there about uh, the content there and the date of content is really important as well, because because ultimately, if if I mean if if the content is purely evergreen, then the nature of that and the definition of these that that it is it, it's almost like um, it's date and age, you know, it's 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 neutral really. Yes, but but if if your if your content is is out of date, not only will it not serve as well with Google, but as you say, it will diminish trust because somebody will look at it and go. Oh well, that's probably irrelevant because it's three years old. Yes. You know, so so already you're 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 losing out on two bases there, Google and the consumer. So so yeah, great that content if it's still valid in your eyes, just get it updated, change some of the content, republish it, redate it, repost it, and you've got two immediate ticks there. Yeah, completely great advice, Nick. I tell you what, I'm looking forward to next year because I remember someone came to me a couple of months ago and said. Uh, oh, could you get me some insight or some trend information on, on this? And I, I literally hit the floor and went, there are no trends this year. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything's out the window. The window you know? yeah. it's, it's all changed. So I can't wait to see. I mean, we've got, you know, market leading insight access. You know, we've got the, the systems to have with all of this. But I can't wait to see next year to start doing sort of, you know, comparatives like we do just to see what the change in behavior was this year. Because it's, I mean, it's going to be vast, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. And, you know, so much of our work is now completely useless because we had all these, you know, nice trend graphs going on, you know, a slow, gentle 2% rise in this kind of product or service. And now it's all out the window. And we've got to start again, but it's fascinating. I've just I've just got a headline trend for you. It's just come in, right? So as, as, I'm, as we're sitting here chatting on this podcast, I've just looked at an email that's come in uh, from the IAB. And it says that 2021 is the year of video. Well, in a roundabout sort of way, it says that. And, I, and, and, you know, and, and I've no doubt that's a trend, by the way. Um, but I'm pretty sure we've uh, every year for the last six years has been the year of video. 
looks yeah. like it's finally taken off. <laughs> There's a trend. Yeah. I think we had, did we have the year of the mobile about six years running or something like that? And then, <laughs> yeah. it, and then we, we, we finally got video and it's, uh, yeah, it's not going away. It's, <laughs> it's here to stay. Absolutely. Year of the video and um, year of the mobile with it sort of uh, the Ronaldo and Messi of the Ballon d'Or, weren't they? Which one's it going to be <laughs> this year? <laughs> it turns out they both won, Dom. Turns out next year it's all <laughs> yeah. both. Absolutely brilliant. No, that's that's really good. Thanks for that, Dom. That's some some really good, uh, useful tips there. Um, and I think, you know, as we know, it has been a bit of a strange time. We're talking about trends changing, everything like that. But I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges of lockdown was that, you know, businesses needed to continue to provide local services, but a lot of them relied on footfall, store visits. You know, very much a lot of the processes that were in place were manual processes. And one thing that we've seen this year is everything has just, it's not merged to be more online, but it has just accelerated to being more of a digital approach on on everything. So one of the things I always, I just wanted to highlight was, you know, we know that a lot of businesses struggled this year with, you know, assessing their product portfolio as such. Um, And one challenge around that was, you know, how to identify opportunities for specific items or services that weren't necessarily set up for that new environment. Um, I like that term, by the way, new environment. I feel like that could be around nice. for a while. Thanks. Um, so, you know, a lot of businesses find it really difficult to transition and do that. So, you know, we kind of thought to ourselves, what advice can we give on the podcast? What can we talk about to kind of get um, get And uh, and one of the things, sorry, awkward, awkward cough there that we'll soon have to edit out. (laughs) So with that, you know, creating an angle on offerings and reducing those contact points was one thing I wanted to talk about, you know, on how to actually make a confident and frictionless kind of sale process. So one example is we all massively ascended or descended in some ways into remote working and, you know, that prolonged the realities of like social distancing you know and what i saw was businesses like cafes florists and food deliveries now my hat goes off to these businesses i think this year because for me they were you know probably the late adopters that we would talk about in general but actually in terms of rapid response these were the types of businesses that massively you know, improve their service by converting to more of a, a digital approach. You know, cafes were launching apps to basically buy coffees online, pick up at the door. Florists were doing exactly the same, developing their own software systems. Food deliveries, you know, we've seen the likes of of Justy and Uber Eats. Those partnerships with restaurants went through the roof, which means that, you know, their their food was available to local to public, that they didn't have to instigate their own delivery system. And for me, that's just it's a really interesting thing. A lot of these businesses are scared of the technology, aren't they? You know, to kind of, not only that, it can be expensive. It doesn't have to be expensive, but it can be bringing in that infrastructure. But to me, those businesses adapt really quickly, but there is still a huge number of businesses that haven't adopted this digital transformation, do we call it? I mean, I don't know. Have we got any other examples where we think, you know, somebody's a little bit behind in terms of adapting that kind of technology? 
Well, I, I can't I can't think of any examples offhand, Nigel, but but I, I totally uh, get your point and sentiment there. Um, uh, you know, and uh, I'm sure businesses don't like to hear this, and and maybe there's one or two examples of businesses that are, let's say, you know, will will be protected by any movement to digital because of the nature of their customer base and their product line. But but I, I would say, to be honest, that any any business that isn't fully immersed in 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 let's say not only digital marketing but also digital infrastructure over the next five years is is going to is going to actually struggle you know and, and 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 the worst the worst you know horrific cases of this of course are on the high street now now and we're talking about bigger chains here of course not the not the, the not necessarily the small local businesses of course who are on there but but in the high street you know we're talking about big players here by the way who have got online models you know debenhams house of fraser um, you know, sports shops, um, you know, all the sort of businesses that have got online models, HMV even. Um, but the problem is they are too reliant on on that physical, um, you know, embodiment of their business, and 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 it, and it's diminishing. And 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 they from a from a business and and and, and budgeting point of view, they're going to have to make that transition. Uh, otherwise, they will be absolute casualties, and you know, and I, there's no, there's no. This isn't the podcast to start speculating on that, but you already have to look at the share price of things like Debenhams and House of Fraser and all those sort of businesses to know that it's probably not far away. And and if anyone's listening who worked for those companies, they won't appreciate me saying that, but I imagine it's not far away. And and those are the businesses and other businesses like that and and smaller businesses that need to now, right now, need to start moving towards digitization uh because because they are protecting themselves yeah i completely agree i think that kind of echoes what i'm saying with you know it's it's not an option nowadays of of whether we do or whether we don't it's more a question of at what rate or at what pace do we need to you know move at to get that infrastructure in place to know that you're in in a sense future proofing any future marketing that you do you know that's that's probably the main the main sentiment but one of the main things I wanted to get across was, you know, e-commerce, for example, like e-commerce solutions online, they do not have to be complicated. They really don't. So, you know, even if you're a service-based business, you know, you might even consider developing like a lead gen feature on your website. You know, you could build a community of contacts, you know, to digitally serve through online meetings, or, you know, you can simply ensure you have, you know, those impactful touch points set up so that people actually engage with you. So e-commerce doesn't necessarily need to be, product-based you know your infrastructure that you're putting in place for your business doesn't need to necessarily sell products it helps if you do but it does work for service-based industries as well massively i mean we're an example of that you know we we provide services solutions all our marketing is derived around engaging with people and you know we adapted it pretty quick but even even us we've we've got a while to go to you know keep things moving and get things moving forward so that we're you know, we're a bit more secure, but at least we've adopted the concept very exactly. early on. And yeah, certainly work work for us to do. We know that. And I think really what's great as well at the moment is that there are tools out there now. It used to be you were kind of, if you were looking, like you say, from that service point of view, you were looking to run some sort of lead gen campaign where you wanted people's details. That used to be quite cumbersome. It used to feel like you were crowbarring a lead gen, gen campaign into kind of a normal ad campaign. And really, you you kind of uploaded the image and you wanted to get people to hear, but really what you wanted was their details. But now all of that's really slick. All of the big platforms, you know, Instagram, Facebook, you know, pretty much any any of those social platforms, 
you know, they've all got those autofill forms now where you can select what type of button it is. So whether it's shop now, if you are a retailer, but like I said, if you're a service industry and you're looking for a lead and you're looking for details, it's got the learn more or inquire now. And those buttons, when you press them, will take people through to a form where they never have to leave that site. And it autofills because obviously it knows all of that information because they're logged into that site. And then you get that lead straight away. So it, it doesn't have to be this big, scary thing anymore where, oh, I don't necessarily have the right infrastructure in my system to, to pull all those leads through and then send them somewhere else and then get them to the right team. You know, those, those big social platforms now can do those lead generation ads pretty much for you um, with, with very limited information. Obviously, that's something we can help with as well. So, yeah, don't be frightened of that. That's brilliant, Dom. That's absolutely brilliant. So I think, you know, that's some really useful advice there. I like these discussion points. You know, we could probably do dedicated episodes in every every topic, which, you know, we're going to move on to. But I think that is all the time we have for today, guys. So for those listening, if you need more information or anything, always visit local.reachsolutions.co.uk for more insight. Um, otherwise, visit the links that we've placed into the bio below. So from us here, it's goodbye for now. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Happy Hour Marketing Show. We love reading and answering any questions you have. So drop us an email to reachcommercialmarketing at reachplc.com and we'll catch you on the next episode.